بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back to the beginning of Guidance for Muslim Women a podcast series brought to you by Misk Women, the Muslim Institute for Sacred Knowledge. My name is Um Abdullah, and I'm very happy to be back with another episode from the foundational book, Bidayatul Hidayah, of the great scholar and the proof of Islam, Al-Imam Al-Ghazali. Rahimahullah, and may Allah benefit us by his knowledge in the two abodes, the dunya and the akhirah, inshallah. Today we will be moving into a set of three episodes which have got to do with purification. Purification, which consists of two parts. First of all, the removal of impurities, physical impurities, and then the removal of ritual states of impurity. And we will go into those in due course, inshallah. But today our episode is on the removal of physical impurities, and the etiquettes associated with that. Let's start with our opening dua for seeking knowledge. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma inni nawaitu ta'alamu wa ta'alim wa tadhakura wa tadkir wa nafa wal intifa' wal ifada wal istifada wal hatha ala tamassuki bi kitabillahi wa sunnati rasuli وَالدُّعَاءِ إِلَى الْهُدَى وَالدَّلَالَةَ عَلَى الْخَيْرِ ابْتِغَاءَ وَجْهِ اللَّهِ وَمَرْضَاتِهِ وَكُرْبِهِ وَثَوَابِهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى Our translation is All praise to Allah, Lord of the worlds. I intend to learn and teach, to remember and remind, to benefit myself and to benefit others, to derive usefulness and extend it to others, to encourage adherence to the book of Allah and the sunnah of his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam to call to guidance direct towards good seeking thereby the countenance of Allah his divine pleasure closeness and his reward the most exalted and high you're welcome to visit our instagram page miss women for that translation inshallah okay so let's get started with what imam al-ghazali has to say about the removal of Khubath. Khubath is ritually impure substances. Now, where does this come up in our daily practice? In the last episode, we started the day with waking up and dressing. And then we move on to the next part of our day, which is needing to use the bathroom. And it's there that this concept of khubath or ritually impure substances first appears for us. I've titled this episode, How to Respond When Nature Calls, because like anything else as Muslims, whatever we are faced with on any level of any aspect of our life, there is always an appropriate and suitable way to respond to that. And the appropriate and suitable way to respond to anything is with the adornment of the proper adab, of the proper etiquettes, the prophetic etiquettes, both outwardly and inwardly with a proper state of heart towards the situation or whatever it is that we are faced with. When it comes to the lowest of things, such as needing to attend to the call of nature or to relieve ourselves of bodily waste, 
This is in fact no different to any other scenario that we face in our daily life. It's something which is very much at the lowest level, but nevertheless it is something which is not devoid of manners, of proper etiquettes, and nor is it devoid of any benefit for us in terms of enabling ourselves to be well-trained and disciplined and thoughtful and not just to have a physical response which conforms with the noble etiquettes and practices of the prophetic sunnah, but what will make our external actions better and more valid is that we do it with the right state of heart. But what does that mean? I mean, how do you go to the bathroom with the right state of heart? What that means is that you know that you are seeing to your physical need in the correct way and being present in your heart with Allah through that action. And there's nothing that's shameful about that. There's nothing which is bizarre or strange or weird about that because every single thing that a Muslim does is an act of worship, whether it be as lowly as relieving yourself or whether it be as noble as performing the hajj or paying off somebody's debts or doing anything that would be of great and immense benefit, building a hospital, building schools, all of those things can be either performed as acts of worship or they can be performed as acts of the dunya or as acts of the lower self with ostentation, with showing off with anything like that. And it's actually the smallest and the lowest acts, which if a person corrects from the beginning in terms of the outer way of performance and also having a proper state of heart whilst performing it, that enables a person to really rise in rank. Because if you can get it right for the lowest things, then inshallah, your ability to get it right for the other big things is enhanced immensely. And it doesn't matter what the prophetic practice is, if it's done correctly, there is a particular light which enters the heart of the person who is performing that. And if it is that a person is able to perfect and perform the prophetic etiquettes of using the bathroom for, say, 40 days, then inshallah, those habits and practices will not only remain with them, but they will illuminate the heart and they will illuminate it and enlighten and illuminate the path which enables a person, inshallah, to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to emulate the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a more perfect and better way and inshallah, really enable every aspect of their life to be an aspect that is enlightened and illuminated and something that is an act of worship and benefits them. Okay, what we're talking about here is the removal of khubath, which is a removal of ritually impure substances and physical ritually impure substances. Now, as we've mentioned, this book is not a book of fiqh, it's not a book of legal rulings, and Imam Ghazali doesn't specify here in the text uh, what those substances are, but we will just mention them. First of all, it's anything that comes from what's called the sibilane, which would have to do with urine and uh, any fecal matter, as well as blood, which will come from the womb, pus and vomit. So they're the, the four groups of substances which come from the body and which are considered ritually impure and need to be removed. Okay, now why do these substances need to be removed? Because when a person moves on from this step and goes to purify themselves through the performance of wudu, of ablution, or the ghusl, the purificatory bath, or tayammum, 
which is the dry ablution, which will be the topics of our following episodes, inshallah, then they can only do that once the physical substances have been removed. Other physical substances which can get on the body and need to be removed in order to perform the acts of purification to prepare for prayer, because if it is that a person doesn't have sound purification, then the prayer is not valid. Okay, this is why it's so important. Other substances in the Shafi school are alcohol, and there are many different issues surrounding that, uh, which is quite complex, but just as a general rule, alcohol, and dogs and their saliva and their offspring and pigs and their offspring and anything to do with them. So they're the main groups of ritually impure substances. And should any of those things be on a person's body, clothing or place of prayer, then the prayer that they perform is invalid and they will have to remove those substances and repeat the prayer in order for it to be accepted, inshallah. Okay, so Imam al-Ghazali here, he begins and he says, Babu adabi duhulil khala, the etiquette of using the lavatory. He says, فَإِذَا قَدَيْتَ بَيْتَ الْمَاءِ لِقَضَاءِ الْحَاجَةِ فَقَدِّمْ فِي الدُّخُولِ رِجْلَكَ الْيُسْرَى وَفِي الْخُرُوجِ رِجْلَكَ الْيُمْنَى وَلَا تَسْتَصْحِبْ شَيْئًا عَلَيْهِ اسْمُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَاسْمُ رَسُولِهِ وَلَا تَدْخُلْ حَاسِرَ رَأْسِ وَلَا حَافِي الْقَدَمَيْنِ When you go into the lavatory, enter with your left foot and leave with your right foot. Do not take anything inside that has on it the names of Allah Most High or His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and do not enter with a bare head or bare feet. What this does, first of all, is it indicates to us how the physicality of the human being is something which can also be adorned with great dignity. And it also shows us the holistic approach of our deen towards every aspect of human existence. Entering the lavatory with the left foot indicates that it is a place which is not held to be in great esteem. And leaving with your right foot is an indication that you are coming out of a lower place and entering a higher place or a place that is cleaner than that. Also, do not take anything inside that has any name of Allah, Lavdu Jalala, on it or his messenger. So if a person has a ring with a Rasulullah on it or a necklace or a pendant or something with Allah, which is uh, very common, then it either has to be removed or it has to be covered because obviously, Lavdu Jalala is the greatest of names, and to take it into a place which is there for filth and the removal of filth from the body is not appropriate. And likewise, that applies to the name of the Prophet. And it's most important that the person complies with the etiquette of covering the head, because the bathroom is a place of filth, and that is where the jinn live. The jinn and dirty creatures live in the bathroom. And we know from the effects that the negative effects that jinn can have on people is that they enter into a person's mind and bring about compromised states of sanity. And it's most important that when you go into a place that is known to have jinn in it, then you cover your head. Likewise, feet should be covered with something like a flip-flop or some type of rubber or plastic shoe that could be easily washed. Uh, in case anything of filth, which is also called najasa, that's a word I haven't used yet, 
so that anything of najasa, which is those ritually impure substances, should it fall on the feet or the legs, then it could be easily washed off. Imam Ghazali has filled his book with all sorts of du'as. And this is a very, very important one that everybody should learn. Before entering the lavatory, he says, وَكُلْ عِنْدَ الدُّخُولِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الرِّجِسِ وَالنَّجِسِ وَالْخَبِيثِ الْمُخْبِثِ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَعِنْدَ الْخُرُوجِ غُفْرَانَكَ أَلْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي أَذْهَبَ عَنِّي مَا يُؤْذِينِي وَأَبْقَى عَلَيَّ مَا يَنْفَعُنِي in the name of Allah, I seek refuge in Allah from filth and impurity and from the defiled one who defiles, shaitan the accursed. And there are variations on this uh, dua, uh, but basically it's seeking refuge from the khubath and khaba'ith. So from actual filth and from the creatures of filth, that would be the jinn. And when leaving, you say, Ghufranaka, your forgiveness, O Allah. Oh, alhamdulillah, all praise to the one who takes from me what harms me and leaves me what benefits me. Imam Ghazali tells us to prepare before we go into the bathroom, which would be more of the case if a person is in an open space, for example, or traveling, or in the days when bathroom facilities weren't necessarily in houses and people had to go elsewhere. So a person should take with them whatever they require to remove any filth. And he says, وَيَنْبَغِي أَن تُعِدَّ النَّبْلَ قَبْلَ قَضَاءِ الْحَاجَةِ وَأَنْ لَا تَسْتَنْجِيَ بِالْمَاءِ فِي مَوْضِي قَضَاءِ الْحَاجَةِ وَأَنْ تَسْتَبْرِئَ مِنَ الْبَوْلِ بِالْتَنَحْنُحِ وَالنَّتَرْ ثَلَاثًا He says to prepare the cleaning material. We would usually, in the sorts of countries and places where we live, have those things on hand, whether that be... Uh, paper or water and he says that do not wash yourself with water in the same place where you relieved yourself again that would be relating to open spaces and he says you should endeavor to rid yourself of all the urine by clearing the throat this applies to men and women and if a person makes a coughing sound uh, then it is that if there is anything that's retained then it will be released uh, with that coughing sound and that's something that's required to make sure that afterwards there aren't any drops that come out that might spoil a person's uh, ritual purity or spoil their clothes and mean that their clothes have to be washed or changed because the person will find themselves accidentally in a state of impurity due to not having rid themselves sufficiently of any urine or waste. He informs us now about some of the other etiquettes and he says, وَإِن كُنْتَ فِي الصَّحْرَائِ فَابْعُدْ أَنْ أَعْيُنِ النَّاظِرِينَ وَاسْتَتِيرْ بِشَيْءٍ إِنْ وَجَدْتَهُ وَلَا تَكْشِفْ عَوْرَتَكَ قَبْلَ الْإِنْتِهَاءِ إِلَى مَوْضِئِ الْجُلُوسِ وَلَا تَسْتَقْبِلِ الشَّمْسَ وَلَا الْقَمَرِ وَلَا تَسْتَدْبِرْهُمَا وَلَا تَسْتَقْبِلْ الْقِبْلَةَ وَلَا تَسْتَدْبِرْهَا ولا تجلس في متحدث الناس أو في ظلهم ولا تبل في الماء الراكد ولا تحت الشجرة المثمرة ولا في الحجر واحذر الأرض الصلبة ومهاب الرياح احترازا من الرشاش لقوله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن عامة الوسواس منه وَاتَّكِئْ فِي جُلُوسِكَ عَلَى رِجْلِكَ الْيُسْرَى وَلَا تَبُلْ قَائِمًا إِلَّا عَنْ دَرُورَةٍ 
واجمع في الاستنجاء بين استعمال الحجر والماء فإذا أردت الاقتصار على أحدهما فالماء أفضل. He discusses here if a person is in the desert and needs to relieve themselves and he gives some general guidelines, guidelines that are appropriate and honourable and dignified for a person. The first of those is obvious, he says, go out of the view of people. So because we're not animals and because we have a certain nobility about us, uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَكَرَمْنَا بَنِي Adama, so we have ennobled the children of Adam. So the obvious thing is to go out of the view of people. And even if we are modern urban people and we live in cities, then the same thing applies. A person shouldn't, due to lack of shyness or modesty, think to themselves, ah, oh, it's just a we or it's just this or that or who cares anyway, which is often the attitude of modern people who don't have any shame about their bodies. People might just go and do that, but obviously that's not appropriate for a believing person who is imbued with a sense of modesty and shyness. He says, cover yourself if you can, and that would be with anything that's possible, a curtain, uh, a car, if you had to go out in the outback somewhere or anything that you could so that you couldn't be seen. And he says, uh, keep behind it if it is that you can screen yourself and do not uncover your nakedness until you reach the place where you will squat. That would be obvious. Uh, Do not face the sun or the moon, nor have them directly to your back out of respect for them. And likewise, do not face the direction of prayer, nor have it directly to your back. That's something that can be a little bit tricky inside a building because buildings are places where bathroom facilities have been installed and we wouldn't know necessarily if we were facing the sun or the moon or the qibla, the place of prayer. And if we have a chance to buy a house or rent a house or even build a house, if you can, then try and make sure to the best of your ability that any type of toilet uh, facility or installation such that you wouldn't be facing or have your back to the qibla at least. Do not use a place where people are accustomed to gathering and talking. Marketplaces, for example, or someone's backyard if there's a gathering on. Nor a place where people are accustomed to taking shade. So where people travel and they might stop under trees and they're known places, then don't use those places where people uh, would go to rest or to tend to their animals or their children's needs or anything. Don't make that a place where you go and use it as a toilet. Do not relieve yourself in standing water, which would be a pond or a pool, or it might be after rain, a gathering, a, a pool of water which is gathered under a tree, for example, or in an open place, because animals will also come and drink from that water. Birds will come. And so for you to urinate, for example, in a place like that would be uh, most uh, unacceptable. And do not relieve yourself beneath a fruit-bearing tree for the same reason. Trees should have good and clean water, not water that's been uh, dirtied by people's urine, nor in an animal's burrow, obviously, because that's a place where they live and it should be respected. Do not relieve yourself on hard earth or into the wind, so as to avoid splashing and spraying. For he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Prophet said, the punishment of the grave is from it. 
And that's reported in Tirmidhi in his collection of hadith. And the story is that uh, the Prophet ﷺ was with a companion and they passed by two graves that were on the roadside. And the Prophet ﷺ said, they're not being punished for very much, but he knew that the people in the grave were being subjected to some type of punishment. And he said the one is being punished for namima, which is gossiping, which is spreading news between people to upset them. And the other is from insufficiently removing urine from himself. And this is something that particularly our children, our boys, need to be made aware of, that little drops of urine can remain on the clothes if they're not careful and if they don't clean themselves from it properly, and that can spoil their clothes. And it can also mean, of course, that they're not in a proper state of ritual purity when they go to pray, and therefore it will invalidate their prayer. So it's very important that children learn from the beginning how to purify themselves, how to wash themselves um, from any of their bodily waste. And also for men, because men may not be very attentive to these things and have a bit of a slack attitude and say, oh, who cares, it's just a couple of drops, it doesn't mean anything, it's small, it's insignificant. But as this hadith indicates, that somebody was actually punished and that there is that most of the punishment of the grave is from the insufficient removal of urine. Imam Ghazali says that use your left foot to lean on for squatting and do not stand to urinate unless it's really necessary. So the Prophet ﷺ was reported to have done that once to indicate that it is permissible should there be a need, but the normal state of affairs is not to stand for men or women and that that is one of the main etiquettes of relieving oneself. And he says, use stones, but nowadays we have toilet paper, as well as water. And if you intend to use only one, then water is preferable. He goes on with another paragraph here to talk about using stones, which in our case we would replace stones with water, although we should know this because we never know where we're going to be and we never know what our situation will be. And just as this situation with the coronavirus has shown us, when it comes to something like toilet paper, people can actually lose their minds. As we saw, a stockpiling in certain countries, developed countries too, where you would think that they would be beyond anything as trivial as needing to stockpile toilet paper. Mm -hmm. So here we have people in advanced Western countries going ahead and fighting and even injuring each other over toilet paper. So we never know what our situation will be. And whatever our situation is, wherever we find ourselves and wherever we go, we're always going to have to use the bathroom somehow and somewhere. So this knowledge is important. He says, وَإِنْ أَرَدْتَ الْإِقْتِصَارَ عَلَى الْحَجَرِ فَعَلَيْكَ أَنْ تَسْتَعْمِلَ ثَلَاثَةَ أَحْجَارٍ طَاهِرَةٍ مُنَشِّفَةٍ لِلْعَيْنِ تمسح بها محل النجوى بحيث لا تنتقل النجاسة على موضعها فإن لم تحصل الإنقاء بثلاثة أحجار فتمم خمسة أو سبعة إلى أن تنقى بالأوتار فالإتار مستحب والإنقاء واجب. If you want to use only stones, he says, you must use three clean, dry stones. And this is important also for if we need to use toilet paper. It must be clean and it must be dry. It mustn't have anything on it. For example, 
words, particularly words of the Arabic language, if somebody thought that a bit of newspaper would do the job. Um, and it mustn't have any other filth on it. It can't be something that's already been used for the same purpose and has dried, for example. It must be clean of any filth and it must be dry. And it's used and should be done so in a way that it doesn't spread the filth beyond the original area. If three stones are not sufficient to clean yourself, then use five or seven. An odd number is preferable, but to complete the cleaning is obligatory. So however much it takes, and of course using water is preferable, but if it is that a person can't or doesn't, then that's how a person should perform the removal of any filth. He says, Only use your left hand to clean yourself. And upon finishing the process of cleaning, say, وَكُلْ عِنْدَ الْفَرَاغِ مِنَ الْإِسْتِنْجَاءِ اللَّهُمَّ طَاهِرْ قَلْبِ مِنَ النِّفَاقِ وَحَصِّنْ فَرْجِي مِنَ الْفَوَاحِشِ وَادْلُكْ يَدَكَ بَعْدَ تَمَامِ الْإِسْتِنْجَاءِ بِالْأَرْضِ أَوْ بِحَائِطٍ ثُمَّ اغْسِلْهَا Say, O oh my Lord, purify my heart from hypocrisy and keep my private parts from wrong action. Then he says, scrub your hands with the dirt off the ground or from a wall. And that would be because the houses in those times were made of mud brick and they're coarse. So by rubbing the hand on a wall or on something that's coarse, it removes any residue. And these days we would use soap, which would then perfume it. Then he says, rinse your hands with water and soap as well and whatever we would require uh, to clean our hands properly and thoroughly. So this is a proper adab of relieving oneself. And as we've mentioned, it's very important in order to make sure that one's ritual purification through the performance of the ablution, which we will take in the next episode, is correct. I'd just like to mention a story which is often uh, related about a blind man who was living in Hadramot and he used to walk once a week to a neighbouring village to attend a class there with a sheikh. And his daughter used to accompany him and lead him there. And on one such occasion, they were making their journey over to the next village when he said to her that he needed to stop to relieve himself. So she immediately uh, bent down and started patting the ground. And she took a moment or two until she found some ground which was a little bit soft or moist. And so she took her father there and she said, here's the right place for you. And so when he'd finished, uh, he stood up and he said, oh, why did you do that? And she said, because if it was hard, then it will splash back on you and it will sully your clothes. They will become impurified. And so he said, okay, come, let's go home now. And she said, no, the village is close. We can get there. He said, no, I've had my lesson for today. And what this shows us is that even though we're talking about the most basic of human functions, there is a nobility in understanding the knowledge associated with how to do that and the way in which it should be performed and where and how. And this story really indicates that to us. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, I hope that's covered the main, uh, the main aspects of the etiquettes of needing to relieve oneself. 
And as I said, if we get these low things right, these very, very physical things right, inshallah, and do it well and properly, inshallah, that will open the way for us to move on and do the other aspects of our daily life in a way which is pure and conforms to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ within the bounds of the fiqh of the legal rulings and which inshallah will make our actions valid and accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we don't belittle anything, we don't look upon anything as being worthless or useless or without any value. The lowest things are valuable because we know that they have a greater meaning and it's most important that we purify ourselves of any filth because the greater meanings of worship cannot be achieved or accomplished without their removal. We ask Allah for tawfiq and we ask Allah for purity both outwardly and inwardly inshallah and we ask to follow as perfectly as possible the sunnah and practices of our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the right intention and inshallah seeking the reward of Allah most high. Inshallah I look forward to our next episode where we will be discussing the ablution, the wudu. Please join us for that and please visit us at Misk Women on Instagram or you can contact via email and inshallah I hope to have a Facebook group open soon inshallah so I'll let you know and then there can be some more interaction inshallah. Jazakumullah khair, may Allah bless you and reward you. Stodiakumullah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad alayhi wa sallam wa sallam. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayhi.